You are listening to Perplexity. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Happy October, and welcome back to another spooky episode of Perplexity, a mystery podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kadra, and as it is October, I have another creepy episode for you guys today. If you are new here, I release new episodes every week, and I just get on and tell you guys a tale that perplexed me. So if that sounds of interest to you and you are watching on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe and that notification button. And if you're listening on a podcast platform, add this show to your list. If you're on Spotify, hit the follow button. It means a lot. Also, I want to remind everyone that I have bonus episodes for the month of October coming out every Tuesday. Those are podcast exclusives, meaning if you're watching on YouTube, you do not have access to those except for my October movie and film recommendations. That is out on YouTube and podcasts. But if you want to hear me tell some creepy stories from Reddit, you can go hear those every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. I've been having fun with those for you guys. And just another couple quick announcements, I promise, and then we'll get started with this crazy story. I wanted to remind everyone that I have merch through Bonfire. That link is in every single episode description. And now is a great time to get your merch because I have pullovers, I have sweatshirts, and it's getting cooler out. So I love the design. I think it's so fun and cute. So be sure to check that out if that interests you. I also have my buy me a coffee link if you want to support the show. That means a lot and there's no commitment. It's just like tipping your server. So if you want to do that as an early birthday present to me as I'm turning 30 in a few weeks, that would be awesome. And then last but certainly not least, I just wanted to shout out Ecuador because I have some new listeners there. So hi to Ecuador and thank you so much for listening. Trigger warning for today's episode, this episode will contain content that will be considered disturbing to some listeners, and this podcast is not for children. Listener discretion is advised. And the sources that I used for today's episode will all be in the show notes. So today I'm going to be telling you guys a really strange, mysterious story. This is the story of the disappearance of David Stone. When I first heard this story, there are just so many weird elements to it and so many question marks, and I knew I had to share it with you guys. Uh, There is an episode about it on Unsolved Mysteries. It's from season three. And so it's a really old episode from the 90s, but it is a really good watch and talks more about this case. I'm going to be kind of walking through that episode as we talk about this story. So this story takes place in La Jolla, California. I think that's how you say it. It's L-A-J-O-L-L-A. And La Jolla is an upper-class town. They get a lot of tourists there. There's lots of surfers. And it's very beautiful. It's right by the ocean, so you've got this lovely view. And it's considered part of San Diego. This story takes place in the year 1988. And at this time, David Stone was a 29-year-old student at La Jolla Academy of Advertising Arts. 
So just a little bit about David. He was born March 18th, 1959, and he was originally from El Paso, Texas. He played football in high school and college, and while he was studying at La Jolla Academy, he was also working as a stock market analyst. So he was a very smart, intelligent guy, and he was highly successful. He even ran a branch of his father's business in La Jolla. His father would later describe him as being an overachiever in just about every way possible, but he was also very kind and gentle, and he was close to his family. So it just seems like a very well-rounded person. His father also claimed that he had what he described, though, as a dual nature. Like when he would play football, for example, it was like he turned into another person where he could be more domineering and intense at times. So in the fall of 1988, David Stone and other students at his school get this new assignment where they're supposed to design magazine covers for places that they would like to travel to. So David was super excited about this project, and he immediately knew what he wanted to talk about. He was really fascinated by the city of Sedona in Arizona, so that's what his magazine cover was going to be. And this is interesting because it was also known that David was interested in the New Age movement. Sedona was a popular place for people in this movement to go to because it was a good spot to have a vision quest. So for those of you who are new here or new to cults and don't know about the New Age movement, that's okay. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about it. I have talked about it on the podcast before. But I'll summarize by saying that this was a very popular movement during the 70s and 80s, aka during the time that this story took place. And the New Age movement was all about strong beliefs of love, light, personal transformation, and healing. So naturally, it became really popular among cults, which were huge during this time period, and metaphysical religious communities. So in Sedona, if you were going to go to do a vision quest, it was basically this intense meditation. You were spending a lot of time to yourself and learning about yourself. And the whole goal was this transformation, you know, finding your best self. You would have this time away from the hustle and bustle of the city to just really focus on yourself and heal. So at some point, David had become fascinated by this New Age movement and vision quests. So in October, it was time for David to do his presentation all about Sedona. He does it. It goes well. He's talking really passionately about this place. And in one article I read, it said that he was talking to his friend's dad later on about Sedona. And so this friend's dad was kind of curious, and he was like, okay, like... I'm not really understanding. What's what's up with all of this? Why are you so interested in the New Age movement in Sedona? And David responded, oh, it's a very fascinating and important place. But his other friends were confused when asked later about David's fascination with this. So to me, it seems like this might have been a, a newer belief or interest of his and that he hadn't really shared it with many people. Later that same month, like I said, it's October, so David decides he's going to have a Halloween party at his apartment. 
So this was on Friday, October 28th, 1988. And this would be just a few days before David Stone would disappear. The party was small. There were only about 20 people, so it was more like a kickback. And when the party got started, everything was going fine. Everyone's just hanging out and drinking. But randomly towards the end of the night, David's kind of looking around and sees this group of his friends playing with some of David's golf clubs. And one of the guys was, you know, pulling them out and they were pretending to swing them. And I guess this really pissed David off so much so that he stormed over there and he grabbed one of the guys, his name was Anders, and he throws Anders into the wall and he's like yelling and cussing and he just starts beating the shit out of him. The other party goers estimated that David hit Anders 20 to 25 times before his friends finally came in and broke it up. So Anders was hurt pretty bad. He was bleeding a lot. And it seems like after the fight ended, David kind of came to. It's like he almost blacked out during the fight, you know, when you get so angry. But he eventually comes to and he was in shock of what he had done. And of course, this kind of killed the buzz of the party, too. So everyone's just kind of like, okay, we're gonna go now, and uh, bye-bye, and they, you know, moonwalk out of there. Anders was okay. He was bleeding, like I said, but he didn't need to go to the hospital. He just kind of got the bleeding to slow down, and then he left. They leave for the night, and when one of the friends that was hanging out with Anders left for the night and goes outside, the cold air hit him, and he realized he forgot his jacket. And it was way too cold to walk home without his jacket, so he decided he was going to turn around and go back up to David Stone's apartment. So he was basically like to Anders, okay, you wait here, I'll be right back, I'm just going to get my jacket. So Anders waits outside, and this friend goes upstairs and goes back into David's apartment. So he's looking around, and eventually he finds his jacket. Then he turns to leave the apartment, And he saw David blocking the front door of the apartment. He wouldn't allow this guy to leave. This friend says that he asked David if he was okay. And David said, quote, don't you know what he represents? This comment's kind of eerie. And obviously it's not totally making sense to the friend, I, I think maybe he was referring to Anders, like he represented something something bad. I don't know, but it, it is an odd statement to make for sure. This friend that was talking to David also later say that David didn't seem to ever have any history of mental issues or anger problems. So all of these events that have just transpired seem very sudden and out of character. The friend was eventually able to get out of the apartment and leave, and David told him as he was leaving that he was going to take some time to think about what he did. He basically was like, I'm sorry, I'm going to think about my behavior. The weekend comes and goes, and eventually it is Monday, October 31st, so Halloween day. But it's Monday, so it's also a school day. But problem is, David Stone never shows up to class. So eventually David Stone would be declared a missing person and an investigation would ensue. 
If my memory serves, he was declared a missing person pretty quickly. The police were able to develop a timeline, and this is what we know about the bizarre disappearance of David Stone. Saturday morning, October 29th, the day after the party, at about 9 a.m., David told his friend John that he was going to go away for the weekend. He really wanted to reflect on his behavior, and he told John he'd be back in a few days. There was another source that I read that said that he was apparently traveling to El Paso, Texas for a friend's wedding. He was supposed to be the best man. So I kind of got conflicting reports on this, but either way, he was going to get away for the weekend. So Halloween morning, David walked into the New Mexico desert, 145 miles east of Tucson, Arizona. So this desert stretches across Arizona and New Mexico. It's quite vast. And this desert has been a part of Native American myth and legend for centuries. So since this is a mystery podcast, I wanted to mention this. According to Unsolved Mysteries Season 3, Episode 7, that covers this story, quote, many people believe this desert is a source of mystical power, a spiritual vortex where natural beauty and supernatural energy mysteriously merge, end quote. So around dawn on October 31st, a local farmer in this New Mexico area claimed that he saw David and he was just walking along this dirt road. The farmer's name was Larry Rivers and the farmer said it was really cold that morning, but David stuck out because he was only wearing a short sleeve shirt and shorts and he had a walking stick with him. So this being the 80s, Larry pulls over and he starts just chatting David and he's like, hey man, you know, what's up? What are you doing out here? Just kind of feeling him out. And the farmer claimed that David told him he was looking for, quote, the beast. David's father, Harry Stone Jr., believes that what David may have meant by this could have been the negative energy in David's life. Uh, and that this could have been something he was trying to overcome. In a Medium.com article, this was described as follows. In the New Age movement, the beast is sometimes described as the concentration of negativity in one's soul. So I thought that was pretty interesting. It seems like the general theory is David was disappointed in himself after the party, and he decided he was going to take this weekend to go to this sacred place, Sedona, and he was going to do this vision quest. Regarding this theory, in the Unsolved Mysteries episode, David's dad said that he was pretty convinced once David got to that location, he felt like this must have been the perfect starting point for his vision quest. And then he also said that there's a big process like to prepare for one of these quests because you have to face the beast. So several other residents in this area of New Mexico were also later interviewed by police because they also claimed to have seen and some of them even spoke to David. So there's several people that were able to confirm he was here. These residents would claim they saw David once again walking in the desert with his walking stick and that the terrain he was walking on was pretty rough. There was a resident named Lillian J. Richens that was driving to her ranch and she saw David near his car on the side of the highway. 
So she stopped and started talking to him, thinking that he might have had some car trouble. But when she stopped to be like, hey, do you need anything? Is your car broken down? What's up? David claimed he was completely fine and that he didn't need anything. So Lillian drove away. Another resident and railroad worker named Glenn O'Duncan found it strange that David was walking across the desert alone in the cold with his shorts and shirt and no coat. Several other residents also told police they saw David talking to himself and he appeared to be acting strange. The police would also later find several strange pieces of evidence, and these seemed to be intentional clues that David left behind. In early November, bloodhounds tracked David's scent to a bare stretch of highway in New Mexico on Highway 80, and this was 14 miles south of Road Forks, New Mexico. His car was found parked at like this kind of crooked angle, like he was getting out in a hurry, and it was abandoned on the side of the road. So four days after David's car was found, his father was able to join the search team as well. And for three days, this team searched the desert and they had four planes with them. They had more than 40 trackers on the ground, all these volunteers. So the search was pretty extensive. So starting where the car was found, David's trail seems to head in the northwest direction towards this peak called Granite Peak. I don't really know about this. It could be intentional. It couldn't be. But this was mentioned in a lot of the sources. So they talk about how Granite Peak was pyramid shaped and how this could have been a clue that David left for everybody because the pyramid is very symbolic in the New Age movement. So this stems from the belief of pyramidology, and it's common in various religions, pseudosciences, and in these cases, the pyramid is believed to have supernatural powers, including but not limited to the ability to preserve food, improve health, and serve as a thought form incubator, according to Wikipedia. I don't quite know what that means, but I thought that the wording was interesting. <laughs> then, while they're searching around this area, a large pyramid of rocks surrounded by a triangle was also found, mounded with sand. So, again, another pyramid. As they went further down the canyon, one of the searchers, a guy named John Hill, also claimed that they found fresh tracks. And as they followed the tracks, he said that the hairs started standing up on his arms and he felt this very strange and intense feeling as if David was watching him. During the second day of the search, another pyramid of rocks was found. And next to this rock formation were more clues. So this time they find David's gold Rolex watch and two quarters, like two coins. So they don't mention what this means in the sources that I could find, but to me, this might have been a clue that David was trying to show like he didn't care about his wealth anymore. He was trying to leave behind his earthly possessions and focus on his inner self. Investigators would then go three more miles north and they would find a strange series of numbers written in the sand. The series of numbers was eventually identified as the Fibonacci sequence. 
So for those of you who are like me and not familiar with numbers or good with numbers, the Fibonacci sequence is commonly used with engineers or stock market analysts, which David was a stock market analyst, so he would have been very familiar with this sequence. The sequence is arranged in such a way that each number is the sum of the two prior ones. So the sequence goes 0, 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34, and so on. So many people believe that Fibonacci is the perfect sequence, and not only is it used a lot in these certain lines of work, but it can also be found in nature, in like certain measurements and whatnot. So it can be seen in natural spiral patterns in nature, like how leaves are arranged on a stem. Uh, It could be seen in the spiral pattern of sunflower seeds, and it can also be seen in the shells of mollusks. But when investigators would look closer at the sequence, they realized David had made a mistake. And David was a very smart guy. He would have used the sequence often working in stocks. So everyone immediately found this strange, including David's dad. So the sequence read in the sand, 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 18. And the number 18 didn't belong. So then investigators are like, okay, maybe the 18 is another clue. It's symbolic. So 18 could have meant something to David because his car, when it was abandoned, was found around mile marker 18. And also 18 was his jersey number when he played football. So by the time it's the third day of the search, David's tracks were starting to disappear from the terrain, but the bloodhounds still had his scent, and his scent continued to guide them to more and more clues. The scent would take them 13 miles north of where his car was first found, back to Highway 80 at Interstate 10. But this is where David's scent suddenly vanished. At the time, investigators theorized he could have just hitchhiked from there. You know, a lot of people during this time period were like, oh, they just hitchhiked somewhere. They started a new life, you know, whatever. So that was also kind of like a silver lining here because they thought, okay, maybe he's alive and They basically, in the Unsolved Mysteries episode, because it aired in the 90s, were like, he must have made it out of the desert. But to put the perplexing nature of this case into perspective, according to Hidalgo County Sheriff Deputy Bill Cavalier, quote, it was the most bizarre case I ever worked on. It was just about the strangest case that ever happened to me, end quote. In David's car, they also found some other clues. So there was a business card in his pocketbook Bible, and the business card belonged to someone named Tony Ballesteros, and his family didn't recognize who Tony could have been. No one was familiar with this name. So they interviewed Tony, the police did. He claimed he had never met David before, but he was in the area camping in the desert around the time that David could have walked through there. So Tony claimed that perhaps David found his business card lying on the ground 
because they had camped around there before, and he claimed that his friends were coming to visit his campsite. And so he was like, oh, I'll just pull out my business card and I'm going to put it in this tree so that people know where to find us. But I feel like that's kind of weird. (laughs) It doesn't seem like Tony had anything to do with this. Like he could have just been scared and, you know, nervous with the police. But it just seems like an odd excuse. But it's absolutely possible that he could have just happened to find Tony's business card on the ground and been like, oh, I might call him and just, you know, stuck it in his pocketbook Bible. There was also a strange note found in David's car, and no one to this day knows for sure what David meant by this message. So the message read, quote, they think the word is in the safe. And word is in all caps. Six knives in Rob's room. Use buy your tea and use take your chances Halloween, end quote. And it's obviously significant that Halloween is referenced in the note because that is the day that David disappeared. But it's obviously a really weird note. The only other clue that they potentially deciphered from this is David's father said it could be referencing the saying, you buy your ticket, you take your chances. But despite all these strange clues, there was no other physical evidence. There were no credit card records, phone records, anything that could be tied to David's whereabouts. So unfortunately, the case would go cold for the next four years. Oh, also a quick thing, Hidalgo County Police never figured out where David could have gotten his water from while he was out in the desert. Uh, They couldn't figure out where he might have slept, and they couldn't find any type of food or food wrappers. It seems like this was very sporadic and unplanned, or all of these things were maybe like buried in the sand somewhere, or he didn't take anything with him. I don't know. Four years goes by. It's February 23rd, 1992. There's two hikers going through the desert near Granite Gap, New Mexico, when they stumbled across skeletal remains. This was the same area where David disappeared. So naturally, these hikers contact the police. The police come out. They, you know, gather the remains and they're running tests. And the body would later be determined to be none other than David Stones. But he was basically bone, and the cause of death, you know, was undetermined. And the time of death couldn't be determined either. The medical examiner, though, didn't find any evidence of trauma or foul play. And I find all this really interesting, too, because the bloodhounds traced David's scent back to the highway, when in reality, his remains were all the way back over at Granite Gap. So it's like either the bloodhounds were wrong, or the police gathered the wrong information from the bloodhounds' behavior. So to this day, what the hell happened to David Stone remains a mystery. If you want my opinion, I personally think that he was on this vision quest and he likely succumbed to the elements because he probably hadn't dealt with this type of terrain, this desert-like weather before. But nonetheless, whatever your theories are, this is still really weird and there's a lot of questions. What did the note in his car mean? 
Uh, why did he suddenly begin acting so strangely when he was back up in California? Was he having some type of psychotic break? Was he on drugs? What got him interested in the New Age movement? Uh, could this Tony Ballesteros guy with the business card have had anything to do with this? Was this actually a death by misadventure or something more paranormal, sinister? Unfortunately, David's father would pass away in 2008, having never known what happened to David. And that, everybody, is the perplexing case of David Stone. Thank you so much for listening to this October episode. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to let me know and remember those ways to support the show. Hit that subscribe button and that notification button if you are watching on YouTube or if you are listening on the podcast, follow the show and leave five-star reviews, please and thank you. Each time that you hit that subscribe button and you hit that five-star button, it puts the show in front of dozens of other listeners. Um, This is going to be my last October episode as far as like full-length episodes go. I'll have one more bonus episode coming out on the podcast on Tuesday. So feel free to check that out. I will have one more spooky episode for you guys, and it's a big story coming out on November 1st. So be sure to tune in for that. Um, But I hope you guys have an awesome Halloween and that you all stay safe. You're all amazing, and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Perplexity, a mystery podcast hosted, written, and produced by Kadra Brennan. If you enjoyed today's episode, tell the world about it by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leaving a five-star review. It helps the show more than you know. Contact, support, and merch links can be found in the episode description. And if you have a story to share or a topic request, send an email to perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail.com. Kadra would love to read your story on the podcast. Until next week, stay curious.